Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. We are all in for such a treat because we have Gary Temple Bodley with us this evening, and, and we're going to be having a chat, Gary and I. And Gary is um, really an interesting fellow. He's a businessman that does woo-woo. You know how I'm always telling you I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo? <laughs> Gary's kind of like a male version of what I've gone through, too. We have so many parallels in our lives. And, and he channels a, a group of what I call spirit guides, which is interesting. We'll talk more about that. But the other thing that's great about Gary is he's just a really cool, fun guy. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. I am traveling this week. My brother, Jay, is having surgery. It's very serious um, on Friday, the 5th of May. So I'll be in Columbus, Ohio with him. So please keep him in your prayers and send him positive vibes. And I'm going to be zapping on him in person when I'll be up there with him in Ohio. So uh, that's why I'm recording this show and and how I got the opportunity to talk with Gary because I'm not going to be taking live questions this week. So just as a reminder, the reason why I do this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. So let's go ahead and get going with Gary. Gary, welcome. I'm so thrilled that you're, that you're able to join us this week. Julie, I am so thrilled to be here, too. It is so much fun to be talking to you right now and just to be able to share what we're both sort of doing together in all of this. And I'm getting goosebumps just talking to you. Oh, cool. When I get goosebumps, that's just usually validation to me that the information that I'm receiving is, is being validated. It's, I, I get information um, telepathically most of the time and visually and auditory, but that goosebump thing is a kinesthetic validation. That um, yeah, yeah. Joshua, well, the information would, we're, we're receiving is is accurate. Joshua would say, would say that that is your indication of a highly beneficial belief. There you go. Okay. So whenever you're feeling good, whenever you get goosebumps, whenever you feel excitement or having a good time, you are aligned with the perspective of your inner self, and that means that that perspective will lead you to all the things that you want unfolding in your life. Well, that's a very elegant description of what I not so elegantly describe as validation for what I'm getting. (laughs) So, um, Gary, please share with everybody, how did you go from being a real estate broker, investor, real estate mogul to this Joshua adventure? Do you want the long story or the short story? Uh, Whatever you choose. (laughs) 
about the medium okay. story? <laughs> the medium story, really quickly, I was born in South Africa to two South African parents, and the whole family was in South Africa. And when I was two and my brother was six weeks old, they decided to move to America. Well, from South Africa, you can't go straight to America back in the 60s. So they went by way of Canada, became Canadian citizens, moved to San Diego. We became Americans, and everything was great. And then they decided to move back to South Africa. So we all got on the train. We went to New York. We went to England. We traveled around Europe. We went to South Africa. And they said, nope, South Africa is no good. Let's go back to America. My dad was working for Burroughs at the time. So then we moved back to Detroit where Burroughs was. And then they said, nope, Detroit's no good. Let's go back to San Diego. And then they realized, you know what? It's not where we live. It's each other. We don't like each other. So they got divorced. And for me, I was 13 at the time. And when my mom left, it was like this, my whole life opened up because she was very controlling and restrictive and insecure and worried about us. And, you know, she's the type of mom who would go to a PG movie first to see if it was appropriate for us and then bring us if it was. Um, She was always completely controlling. And when she left and we stayed with my dad, well, my dad just went out and went on dates and was single again. So we were really left to ourselves, and that was the most freeing way to live. We had no expectations on, on us. He didn't care about our grades or homework or any of that stuff. And then we ended up moving to Boca Raton, Florida, and, you know, same sort of thing. He was living his life. We were doing our thing. Everything was working out fine. Um, and then he moved to Connecticut for a job, and left us down in Florida to finish high school, which was great because you don't want to take the kids out of high school. I was in 12th grade at the time. And so I lived with my brother in our apartment, um, finished high school, went to college. And then at that point, I'm like, what do I want to do? And so I thought, I want to be a real estate investor. I want to invest in real estate. I want to learn how to do it. So I became an appraiser, learned how to buy and sell real estate. And the only thing I really wanted to do was become a millionaire. That's the only thing I cared about. I only cared about making money. Well, I think it's interesting that you chose to do that in Boca, which is some of Mm -hmm. the most, Boca and Palm Beach County, which is some of the most expensive real estate on the planet, for heaven's sakes. I mean, not like you wanted to start out small and grow. You just, sounds like you just jumped into the, you know, to the big time right off the bat. Well, I started by um, being an appraiser and then started buying property, which was my real passion, was to buy and fix up houses. But then I got hired by a real estate company and then became the sales manager and then started my own company. And then that grew to one of the largest real estate companies in Palm Beach County. And then I sold it to Keller Williams. It was the first Keller Williams franchise in Palm Beach County. And then I tried doing seminars and things like that in real estate. Um, And that sort of failed. And then I started over again and built a big appraisal company and a mortgage company and title company. And then in 2007, um, well, before that, I had met Lily and we got married and and we were buying and selling properties and building this huge empire. And then 2007, when the market crashed, we pretty much lost everything. So it was this losing everything that changed my life. Uh-huh. And in the losing of everything, we, you know, we thought we had lost our house. So we moved out into, a, into another house and 
uh, were able to rent it and keep it going for a while. But we had last my office building, and uh, we were building a real estate uh, townhouse community. We had two big houses we were developing in, in Delray Beach and all this other stuff, plus rental properties and stuff like that. Well, we lost almost all of it, and we moved to this house that was owned by friends of ours, and we sort of bought it from them. They, did, they held the financing on it. And we fixed up this house, but it was far away from everyone, everyone that we knew. Even though it was really like half an hour away, it seemed like we were so far from everyone. And we were basically by ourselves in this beautiful house overlooking this beautiful river. And behind it was a nature preserve. So we saw wild animals every day. And if you mm-hmm. look at it, it was like this ideal, beautiful spot. Yet we were miserable because we had perceived that we lost everything. Mm-hmm. So someone comes along and gives us the secret. Oh, uh, yeah, the book. The book, The Secret. Well, actually, it was a, a CD. And okay. we didn't have a CD player in the house, so we would put it in the car <laughs> and just drive around. And we would take these road trips just listening to this thing over and over and over again. And we're like, this is it. This is how we're going to get back to making money again. Yeah. It was all still about making money and having that, you know, lifestyle. So right. we listened to it maybe 10 times. And then Lily went, reached, my wife reached into our um, library and found Ask and it is given by Abraham Hicks, by Esther and Abraham. And uh, Esther channels Abraham. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know of Esther. Well, I, we never heard of this before, but it had, we had bought it sometime in the past, listened to it, but it never clicked with us. Uh-huh. So there was something about listening to The Secret allowed this to make sense to us. So we listened to that for 10 times, and then we decided, well, I had this inspiration that we need to go see Esther. So we go to Asheville. My brother lives in Asheville. And we go up to Asheville and hang out with him, and we go to the seminar, which is a weekend one. Most of them are just one day or half of a day. Well, this was two full days. And our lives pretty much changed that weekend. While I was there, I got a call. I mean, I, have, I had not really been doing anything at all. No, no real estate, nothing was going on. I got a call from an, uh, a woman who's a friend of mine who used to be one of my agents, and she says, I got this foreclosure property. I'm putting a contract on it in your name, and then we're going to sell this contract, which is something we used to do all the time. So I said, mm-hmm. sure, put my name on it. We'll each make a couple thousand dollars. Uh, well, the investor who was going to buy that house decided not to. So she's like, do you want to buy the house? And I said, sure. I had no money to buy the house. So I just got one of my friends to go in on with me and she put up all the money and I designed the house and hired the crew and all that stuff. And I realized that this is what I had wanted to do my whole life and had done it, but never full time. I was always trying to build these empires. Mm -hmm. Well, got that house done and that just snowballed into this role of houses that I was doing. So found this passion. Um, at the same time, we sold this house that we had on the water, and we moved to Palm Beach. Now, if you live in Palm Beach County, for us anyway, a big desire was to move to the island of Palm Beach, you know, where Trump lives right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's always been out of our reach because it's, you know, $1,000 a square foot or $2,000 a square foot. And if you want to rent a house, it's $10,000 a month. But I found this one house. It was a little, tiny, beautiful house that people had just paid $1.5 million for it. And they were renting it for 3000 a month. 
Mm-hmm. So we had money from the sale of this house, and we just rented that house. And so here we are living in Palm Beach, thinking how great it is. We could walk to all the restaurants and stuff. But in the summer, it's completely dead. There's no one there at all. So we're walking down the street one day. This white BMW pulls up. There's no cars. No one's living there. It's just vacant. And out pops this woman. And it is a friend of Lily's from a long time ago before I even met her. And they get to talking and catching up. And it was just so bizarre that she was there. So weird how that happened. Well, she says, you know what I'm doing now? I'm fixing up, buying old furniture reupholstering it, painting it, fixing it up, and selling it on Craigslist. And she said it's going really well. Well, Lily has always been this designery kind of person, always loved decorating the house and that sort of thing. And when she saw this, a light bulb went off for her. And literally a week later, we found a retail space on, on Dixie right in the middle of all the design center and started this business called The Painted Ox where they find pieces of furniture that's like mid-century and completely redo it to make it Florida. They have, now she's got 6,000 square foot, has 15 employees working for her, full-time painters, full-time upholsters, got a whole big thing going on. And she found her passion. So we're like, this is really interesting. We go to this one thing and we both find our passion within weeks of this happening. Mm-hmm. So now we're like... And out of, you know, out of, you guys are phoenixes rising from the ashes. Right, rising from the ashes. We're rising yeah. quickly, too. Everything's happening. Right. So right. we're blaming this all on what we've learned from this law of attraction thing. Right. And so everything's going great. We're having a good time. Then we eventually found our new house and fixed that up. And all, all this stuff is just falling into place so easily. I get this feeling that I should be meditating. I've always resisted meditating. When I was a kid, uh, my mother was living in New York City. I would go visit her in the summers, and she was into um, you know, meditation and guided meditations and, and uh, gurus and things like that, right? And she had a friend who was, who was uh, from India, and he was a spiritual leader in this guru kind of thing that she was doing up there. So I had experience with some of that. Right. But never really was wanting to do it. Well, I just felt this calling to meditate. And then I heard like Jerry Seinfeld meditates and all these other people are meditating. And so we got the Abraham meditations and Lily and I started meditating. Um, It's really hard at first if you've tried meditating. Your mind is full of these thoughts and it just takes a little while to quiet your mind. Well, Mm -hmm. after about doing it for about four weeks, I felt this obvious presence in my head while meditating. It was this. What did that? Hand, what did that feel like in your head? Like a like a palm of someone's hand touching the right side of my face, but huh. inside the skin, like wow. on my jaw, you know. Wow. And it was a uh, came on really slowly, almost like like music being turned on from nothing to really slowly, and then you notice it's there, but then it's obvious mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. So I felt this presence. It didn't feel, you know, it felt a little strange, but it didn't feel unpleasant or weird or anything. But I just knew it was a presence. And it was there every single time I meditated, which has come on like this. And so eventually I said, I started talking to it, you know, and asking it questions. And these questions would come back really, the answers would come back really quickly. It sounded like myself, so I thought I was talking to myself. <laughs> but the answers were something that I would expect from Abraham or that kind of thing, right? These mm-hmm, high-level mm-hmm. answers. So eventually, right. I just played around with it, and then I could talk to it while I was not meditating. And 
you know, asking questions and all kinds of things. So then one day I said, okay, what's your name? And the name Joshua came back really quickly. And like instantly, Joshua. And I'm thinking, right. well, okay, that makes sense. It's sort of like in that vein of Seth and Abraham and Joshua. And so I didn't think anything more. And I did not tell a soul about this because I thought it was the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. Didn't tell Lily or you, anyone. You thought people were going to lock you up in the, you know, totally. the asylum, probably. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so about this goes on for maybe four months. And then in November of 2013, in the middle of a meditation, Joshua says, get up and write, write, write. Those words were so clear. So I just went to my computer, and I sat down, and I started typing. And an hour later, or half an hour later, it was really quick. I only typed with two fingers or three fingers. So I just banged the stuff out and then printed it out and showed it to Lily and goes, you're not going to believe what I just wrote. And it was the first three pages of the first book, which is called The Perception of Reality. And our friends, Deborah Joe and Frank, came over that night, and we had dinner, and Deborah Joe was the one that gave us the secret and had gone to some Abraham stuff with us. And so these were the people I could share this with if I was going to share it with anyone. So I gave right. it to Deborah Joe and Frank. Deborah Joe read it, and as she's reading it, tears are falling out of her eyes. You know, it's like, this is incredible. So then we didn't know what was going on at the time, so we just thought it was that one thing. Well, the next day I got up and had the same inspiration to write, and I just went and write, and I wrote every day for eight weeks for just an hour a day or half an hour a day, three or four pages a day. And in eight weeks, a perception of reality was created. It was word for word as I received it, and it came out as if it was, I was being, you know, I was dictating a book to me or something, and I was just typing what I was right. hearing. Right. Uh, all, the, all the chapter titles, the order of the book, everything, nothing was ever changed about it. It's exactly how it came out is how it is right now. And that book is, you know, it's been available now for about three years. And, and how many books tell, have you written since then? What are you on so your then, fourth or fifth book or something? Well, the, the, right after that, the, we thought it was, you know, I said, Lily was reading the pages every day and we came to the end of that book. And we're all sad. And the next day, got up, wrote again. The next book started. That was Health, Wealth, and Love. That took exactly eight weeks. These are 320-page books. They're that little e-books. They're real thick books. Um, and so then that book was written. Uh, and then A Radical Change was written. And then The Joshua Diet was written. And then just last week, another book was started. So four books wow. in... Less than, you know, in about three years, and the fifth book's being started now. Wow. So, I've heard you say uh, on your podcast that you believe, or Joshua believes, and you believe it because you've heard it from Joshua, too, that when people uh, write books or write music or write movies or plays or whatever, that it's all being channeled. And I went to the Harry Potter whatever call it, Harry Potter World or whatever at Universal Studios in L.A. with my son Jonathan last fall. And I've seen the Harry Potter movies, but uh, this amusement park is amazing. If any of you haven't been there, either in Florida or in L.A., I highly encourage you to go. It's like being on a movie set. I mean, it's just fantastic. And the whole time I was there with Jonathan, I kept saying, this woman has channeled all this stuff because a lot of the things that she talks about and different props and things that she has in her writing and in her movies and now in her theme park, I've seen 
energetically. So mm. she's channeling stuff. It's really That's cool. And, and there are certain sayings, like there was one before we went in this one ride. I don't remember which one it was, but there was some saying, and the whole gist of it was information that I had received spiritually oh, as well. Wow. So, so I, I've heard you say that, that every author and every playwright and, and uh, you know, songwriter really is channeling information coming from, as my son would say when he was a baby, the spirits and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like this, uh, what I've learned in all of this, is one that is not so weird that everyone's doing it to some extent and that it's natural that everyone has the ability to do it. I and, agree. You know, and, and I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world and somehow I allowed it to come through, but yeah. I didn't tell anyone about it for a long time. And then right. people just, there's some people I could talk to about it and some people who were into Abraham, for instance. And so they would find out about it and send me questions to give to Joshua. And so we started this whole thing of doing these questions and answers. Right. And that evolved into a website and into a community of people doing this, doing a podcast. We do two podcasts now, right. uh, the teachings of Joshua Roundtable and uh, Joshua Live. But for a long time, it was just all writing. Right. Until... You know, we got our podcast, and then Jules Johnson interviewed me, and I had we had the podcast on the Law of Attraction Radio Network, and then I was invited to speak at the Law of Attraction Cruise, and it wasn't until then that Jules, who knew that I could speak as Joshua, and I had no really idea how that could happen, well, she hypnotized me in her cabin one day and brought forth Joshua speaking. And then was able to do that three or four or five times and then mm -hmm. did it over Skype with me and then says, mm -hmm. you don't need me, just do it. And so mm -hmm. since March of last year, Joshua's been coming through me speaking and we do our podcast where Joshua comes through. We do it every Monday. Um, and that is taking this thing to a whole nother level. Right, right. And I listen to it and it's fabulous. Interestingly enough, everybody, though, when I scan Gary when he's channeling Joshua, I can see these seven spirit guides that are in a semicircle that are behind him. And for those of you that have listened to my show for a while, you know that spirit guides appear to me as a, some version of Father Time. They can be short and chubby or tall and lean or in the middle or whatever, but they all are a version of, speaking of Harry Potter, Dumbledore or uh, the Gandalf character in the Lord of the Rings movies, or Father Time. And they appear to me as men with long white hair and long white beards and in white robes. Now, does that mean that's what they really look like? Who knows? But that's how spirit guides appear to me, so I can identify who they are. And along those lines, Gary, I've heard you say many times that we all have millions of spirit guides that yeah. advise us. And, and certainly there are some that are in the forefront, I believe, and what I've seen throughout the 20-some years I've been doing this, that, mm. that are in the forefront, depending on what's going on in our lives and what we want to create in our lives. But um, when I, it's interesting because when I'm scanning somebody who's dying, 
uh, I've come up with these 12 phases of transition, and it's how angels and other spirits of deceased loved ones and others are there. And as the person gets closer and closer to going back into non-physical, there are so many spirits there to welcome them that they look like dots on the horizon to me. And they go out, like if somebody's in a bed, they're going to go, there's a row of angels at the foot of the person's bed, and they look like angels to me. Again, there's some kind of of energy. They appear to me as angels, just so I can recognize, you know, that energy. And that's like the line of demarcation between this reality and the spirit world. But it goes out in all directions. I mean, it's it's literally, I've always said tens of thousands, but mm. maybe it is millions, but they look like yeah. that's on the horizon. There's so many of them. Well, and everybody uh, has that when they're dying. Yeah, everyone, and, and Joshua calls it your millions. You have your millions, and yeah. the millions are with you. It's just a, a way to sort of perceive how much love and support you have. Yeah. Um, so Joshua describes themselves as Imagine a conference room with people all working on, like, a book together. Mm-hmm. And then imagine that now this is a theater full of people all working together on this book. And then now imagine that they're in an arena together, full arena, and they're all working congruently to create this book. Now imagine a stadium full of them. And now imagine all the stadiums in the world. That's what Joshua is. Mm-hmm. This, this um, flowing source of higher intelligence all working together to bring forth whatever information they think we can get at the time. Mm-hmm. And even <laughs> though the, to us the information seems super leading edge and way you know, out there, to them it's still very general. And there's way more to go. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. Well, I've got several questions for you that I hope we can – we'll get through a couple of them anyways. Uh, I could talk to you for hours on end, but as you know, we're limited to time, unfortunately. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll get as many questions punched out as we can this time, and then I'll just have you back for a for – a, for a second version or a, you know, part two. How about that? But just wanted to remind everybody that we do this uh, show every Thursday. We record it every Thursday at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. And the call-in number is 712-770-4160, access code 533-677-POUND. Now, I don't expect you to remember how to how to remember all these numbers, but I do expect you to remember just go to askjulieryan.com and if you scroll down to the bottom of the home page, you'll see all this call information is there. Also, when you're there, sign up for my newsletter, which is a uh, a weekly blog that I send out, and it's a question that somebody has submitted online. They're coming in from all over the world, and um, and then I'll answer it. So it'll take you about a minute to read it, and all of this call-in information is on that uh, uh, 
blog that goes out every Thursday as well. And then lastly, when you're on my website, schedule an appointment because then I get to get to chat with you for a whole hour and we can do a deep dive on whatever you want to talk about. I laugh and say I'm a buffet of psychicness, Gary, <laughs> because <laughs> we can we can talk to your dead grandmother, we can I can scan you medically, I can talk and or scan your pets. Um, wow. We can do past life stuff. We can do future stuff. We can do whatever. So it's really well, fun and and really informative for people who who call in and, and schedule an appointment with me. So Lily Lily scheduled her appointment with you tomorrow, so she's very excited about that. And Deborah Joe just tell, told me about her experience with you yesterday, which she said was mind blowing. Oh, she's just delightful. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fun. And it's, I laugh because I go back to the J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter series. I always tell people, you know, I, I'm just not that creative. I can't make all this stuff up. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. The, the stuff that comes in is sometimes <laughs> just so out of left field, but it's accurate. Yeah. And, and then we see the correlations that go with it. So anyways, okay. Let's go to a couple of my questions here. Um, the first one is, is I get asked frequently, and, I'm, and I know you do as well, people will say, why am I here? Why, what's your understanding of why any of us are here? Do we have a, a goal that we're supposed to accomplish in this lifetime? Um, you know, why, why are we here, especially people that are struggling? They're, they're, okay. I know they're just... Yeah thinking, what the heck? Why, why do I have to go through this? So what's your understanding of why any of us are here? Well, ultimately, you're here for expansion. And, but mainly you're here because it's fun. So Joshua likes to think of it like going to Disney World. Why do you like to go to Disney World? Well, because it's fun. It's interesting. There are rides that I can ride. Some of the rides are going to be scary, and I can choose to ride those or not. Some I've been, I've been to Disneyland many times before, so this time I'm going to look more into Tomorrowland or more into this Pirates of the Caribbean ride and ride around on that little thing for a while. Basically, you come here uh, to experience reality in a new and unique way. No one like you has ever existed in the history of the world, and no one like you will ever exist again. Therefore, you are unique, and your uniqueness is this unique perspective or perception of reality. No one can ever perceive reality the way Julie Ryan is perceiving it now. That in itself proves that you're worthy to be here. It proves that you've bought your ticket to come to this amusement park. And so that's basically why we're here. When we feel like something is a struggle, well, we're just resisting why we're here to do it. And in reality, the first words that were ever written was, Everything is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe. Anything seen as wrong comes from a limited perspective. From the higher perspective, whether that's the perspective of history or time or the non-physical, everything is right. So this is the new idea of life, the new way to look at life, is that anything that comes to you is for you. And just recently, Joshua's been talking about this idea that we are all limitless beings of pure positive love and acceptance. That's who we really are. Well, we come into reality, and in physical reality, there's fear. And this fear is limiting. So as you remove these layers of fear, 
you remove your limitations and your vibration rises and you come to another level. Well, at this new level, there's just new fear. So all you're doing in physical reality is peeling away the limiting effects of fear, becoming more confident and courageous, raising your vibration, getting to new and higher levels, and then facing more fear. And so ultimately, the easier it is for you to deal with fear, the more success you'll have in life. Well, I think the Disney World analogy is perfect because (laughs) you're absolutely right. Some of those rides there can get really scary, but then after you've done the ride, you get off and you, what do you do? You get back in line for the same ride. I I was at a conference in my mid-20s. I was living in LA and I was at a conference. I was selling hospital supplies at the time and it was 15,000 operating room nurses were at this conference and we had all of Disneyland for the conference. Mm. So it was just us. It was fabulous. I rode Space Mountain eight times in a row because there wasn't a line. We get off we get off the ride and get right back in line and, and ride it again and then get off and do it again. And then finally we said, you know, we probably need to broaden our horizons, the guys <laughs> I was with. But to well, your point, it, that yeah. makes, that's a great analogy. Great analogy. And every time you ride that ride, you're in a different seat. So it's unique and new oh, and the sun's right. in a different position and there's a different perspective that you get done on it. And once you've done it the first time, well, it's not nearly as scary the second time or the third time or the fourth time. Right. So you have a different perspective every time. Most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. And I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals. B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, altogether, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals, dot com, and use Julie Ryan at checkout, and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Right, Exactly. Well, and, and piggybacking on, on those comments, the, when, when we talk about, I always talk about that we're spirits having a human experience and yes. uh, that we live lots, many, many, many lifetimes. And I see that all the time when I do past lifetime scans with people and the information that comes up is really wild at times because we'll get, I'll describe what I'm seeing to the person I'm scanning and we'll get dates and times and like, for instance, let's say I scanned you and I saw that you were a Roman soldier in 700 AD or something and I described Uh 
what you were wearing and how you looked and all of that. And I described what the city was that you lived in. And then, and then we Google it and it, and it correlates with whatever we've gotten. It's really cool. Oh, and then I, wow. then I watch to see, we try and figure out, okay, how does that apply to what is going on in the person's lifetime right now happening real time? But having said all that is, do you believe or do you understand that that there is such a thing that we're in this lifetime to learn lessons and, and that a lot of it is connected with karma. What do you think about this karma thing? That karma is so many only in this about? lifetime. Karma is a, doesn't carry forth from previous lifetimes that, uh, okay. but that idea of, you know, that you take some action in this lifetime can come back to you in some form because mm-hmm. of the law of attraction. Right. And that just makes sense. So Joshua says that there's a reason that you don't remember previous lives. It's because the baggage of those lives or the memories of those lives would cause you to behave differently in this time. You come in fresh and new to this time and that while you may be here to you know, explore some nuance of physical reality that is now interesting to you, that the previous lives do not hold as much importance um, and that, not to worry too much about them, but to focus on resolving the issue of what's here and now in the moment. And a lot of people will look back at their past and feel some regret or some resentment because they think it should have happened differently than it did. Or they'll look to the future and worry about or have anxiety about the future, and that's all happening in the present moment. So... The present moment is the only moment that exists, and if you are constantly looking back with regret or resentment, then you're bringing the feelings of negativity or these low emotional states of being with you at this time, and the same with, with the future. So the perspective is that everything has happened perfectly to get you where you are right now. I lost everything that I had. Well, not everything, but I lost you know, what I thought I had, and that gave me this desire for something new and this desire has led me to here and by allowing it to come and I'm allowing and allowing more every day but by allowing it to be here I now live fully involved in my passions of fixing up houses and playing poker and doing Joshua and cooking and being with my wife and so I'm not trapped anymore by those things I thought I wanted I'm just allowing what I had intended prior to coming here to naturally come out Mm-hmm. And that's really how this works. Is that well? I've heard, uh, I've heard you say too that that if there's something that our spirit wants to explore, that there mm-hmm. are a multitude of ways that we can explore it in different lifetimes, and that and can you speak a little bit about that with what your beliefs are in that, and then also how long does an average lifetime last in your opinion? I have my own thoughts, but what's yours as far as our perception of time, I always say, is not the same as the spirit world. It's very different. It's a human concoction, basically, right. to organize well, our lives. But, but yeah. can you speak to that some as far as how to look at different viewpoints of the same issue and, and, and as far as many lifetimes and how long does that take? Well, Joshua will say that... A l- it's easy for us to think more of a lifetime like a day in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't get it right today, you can get it right tomorrow. Right? You always have tomorrow. 
and there's always tomorrow and always tomorrow. So a lifetime is a very short amount. And I think even that day analogy is much longer than it really is. Mm-hmm. It's a bl- blink of an eye. It's, and I agree. From the non-physical perspective, it's not important. There's nothing serious going on. There's nothing you have to get done. You can't get it wrong. You're going to never get it done anyway because this is, this is just an existence of exploration, of more and more nuanced ways to look at life. And that's the interesting thing about why we age. We, this is a time and space reality. So think of a statue and that the space allows you to move around the statue so that you can appreciate it from all different angles, right? And you can get a really good perspective of the statue by moving around. And then the space aspect of it is that every day that goes by, you have a new perspective on your life. So you feel different about reality when you're 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old. And that's why time goes by and it's that illusion of time and that you age. So you could really look at things from all perspectives every single day. But you might be here to work through issues that you can't really work through or to, I shouldn't say work through, I should say explore things that you can't explore in non-physical. In non-physical, Lack doesn't exist. So to explore this idea of abundance, you come to the physical reality and you explore poverty. And that's why you'll see that most of the people who come to physical reality are exploring poverty in some form. Mm-hmm. We are lucky that we're you know, in the 1%, but the 99% are exploring po- poverty in some forms. Um, you can't experience fear in the non-physical. Fear just does not exist. That's why judgment does not exist in the non-physical. There is no one ever judging you when you die. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you transition to the non-physical, you will get a chance to look back on your life, but there are no right or wrong. There's definitely no wrong. And so you do look back and see all the things that you explored, and that will cause you maybe to have a desire to explore something like fear the next time around or Mm -hmm. fear in more detail or worthiness. From the non-physical perspective, you can't imagine what it's like to feel unworthy. You just feel worthy. There is no opposite to that. So you come here and you get raised by parents who tell you you're wrong and, and like-minded. Uh, occasionally, I would get hit with a belt when I did something wrong, and I have this feeling of unworthiness, which led me on this path to prove my worthiness by becoming rich. And that would never work because I would never, you know, I can't. you can't prove worthiness to someone who's already worthy. You can only discover the nuances, and if you don't feel worthy, you're going to have this reflected into your reality. Right. So those are the topics, the things that you can't experience in the non-physical. You want to get an idea of what they are. So when you go back to the non-physical, now you have this perspective on what it's like to be worthy and limitless and all these things, abundance. And what I've seen too, Gary, in scans with clients for you know a couple of decades now is Let's use as an example that somebody is a, is a heroin addict in this lifetime. Well, perhaps in a previous lifetime, they were the mother of somebody who had a drug problem, right. or they were the father, right. or they were the wife, or the sister, or the, or the child, or the whatever. So they're looking at that same experience from a whole bunch of different viewpoints, which gives us all, to your point, lots of different perspectives in yeah. which to 
analyze, okay, well, wow, this is how it feels when I'm the drug addict. And so I understand um, also why my mom was so upset because I was the mother of a child who or of a, you know, of an adult child who had a drug problem. So I find that really fascinating as well. Okay. Uh, There's something really important to point out there, though, that once you've had that experience, you can change. Right. So you, once you've experienced poverty, you can say, I'm done with that, and now I want to experience abundance in this lifetime. You don't right. have to wait till you transition for that to happen. You can make that happen now, and that's the beauty of this uh, free will and the idea that we can choose our own thoughts now. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, and along those lines, you talk about abundance all the time, and I think most, most of us – at least in this Western culture, when we think of abundance, we think of wealth and we think of money and we think of yeah. big houses and fast cars and stuff like that. And and people talk to me all the time and they'll say, well, gosh, my cash flow is terrible or I'm out of a job or I keep I keep focusing on abundance, but the money's just not coming. So can you speak to a little bit about the difference between wealth as most of us perceive it in the monetary form and then also abundance and how wealth ties into all of that? Yes, and this is what my um, personal problem with law of attraction was and what everyone else's difficulty with law of attraction, law of attraction is, is that you think, I want abundance, I want abundance, I'm going to think thoughts of abundance, I'm going to be positive, I'm going to tell myself good stories, I'm going to do all this stuff so that I can attract money. Um, what you're doing when you do that is you're, attracting on the, you're focusing on the lack end of that stick because you think that you don't have enough. What abundance really is, and we have a great meditation too, that Joshua does a bunch of meditations and one of them is, is financial abundance. Um, it's realize, Abundance is receiving what you need when you need it. And this is an abundant world. So think of air. Whenever you need to breathe, you just take a breath. You don't store up bottles of oxygen and walk around with tanks with you. Whatever you need will be provided to you when you need it. Think of food. Whenever you need food, it's there. Whenever you need water, it's there. Think of the animals. When you see a flock of geese flying south, they are guided through inspiration to the fields where the food is, right? They don't uh -huh. carry backpacks with food. They just know that food's <laughs> going to be there when they're hungry. Right, That's right. The thing. Yeah. And so abundance isn't having a lot of money in the bank. That's your form of trying to feel secure, right? But that is just a trying to control the conditions so that you can feel good. What you, if you want to get into more of this uh, abundance, you realize that the universe is providing you with everything you need when you need it. And so for me, I had no idea where money was going to come from pursuing Joshua, right? So I was just doing what I was inspired to do, and I would get a real estate deal. Someone wanted to buy a house. I started playing poker. I'd win all these tournaments. I was making... Uh, an extra seven or eight thousand dollars a month playing poker, um, or would just come from wherever. But I was able to focus on Joshua and not think that I needed to make money through Joshua at the time. Now Joshua's turned into something where people want to participate in it, and it's you know getting to a big thing. And so I'm 
focusing less on real estate and less on poker and that money's flowing through this, but it just flows however it needs to flow. Now, do I have a million dollars in the bank? No. Um, but I have everything I need and it's coming as I need it. Which is a new concept, especially to someone like you, because I can relate because mm. I'm going through the same thing with my Ask Julie Ryan stuff, that mm. we're so used to, in the business world, having business plans and measurables right. and quotas and, you know, goals. milestones and goals, and we want the whole team to operate, and here's the, the amount of increase that we need to show, and, you know, all this financial stuff that I I look at all that stuff and I used to even when I was running all these different companies and had all these different companies I I would first look at that Gary and I, I just get stopped in my tracks it's almost like I'd say if I get too many math equations I'd break out in hives you know yeah, it's scary when you look too far ahead yeah you know when, yeah. You, when and, you start and, planning 20 steps ahead well you're not vibrationally ready for that person you're going to be 20 steps from now Think of just the next step. What's the next thing that's interesting to me? And just right. take it from there. And that's all about having faith that this universe is not what you think it is. It's actually a system designed for you to be able to flow through life, explore what you want to explore, then be able to pivot to create the life you prefer. So you experience contrast usually in your youth, and this contrast causes you to adopt this belief system that launches you on a trajectory towards that area of physical reality that you want to explore a little bit more. And once you've explored it, now you can choose to explore something differently. Right. Well, and I think, too, it's important to let everybody know that what, what you're talking about is not easy. It's if for, to say, okay, I got to pay my rent and I got five days right. to come up with the money and I have no clue where it's coming from. Right. That's that's not an easy position to be in. So when somebody's in that situation, what have you found to be the most helpful advice you can give them when they're in that situation and they know, okay, I got to come up with this money. What's the best thing for them to do, or what have you found to be the most um, we, successful? We, we look thing at it like it's momentum, right? So you have had this momentum of this approach to life you've been living, trying to control the conditions. And if we look at it like a ship that's going through the ocean, and that ship just can't stop on a dime, it can turn gradually. And so you just want to read more books, get a different perspective, allow yourself to make mistakes. You'll never be perfect well, you're always perfect, but you're never going to be which, as far ahead as you think you should be, right? You're always going to blame yourself a little bit here and there. But if you can get onto a track of you know, focusing on what you're interested in, and we're not saying law of attraction or anything like that, whatever you're interested in, if you can just say that, you know, I have an interest in this thing, I'm going to explore this a little further, I'm still keeping my job, I'm not just going to quit and start this thing, I'm just going to pull at the strings of this interest, dive a little bit deeper into it, and then see where that leads to the next step. I'm not going to, like, I was always, my whole life wanted to open a restaurant, and we end up owning a, we're the franchisor of a chain of restaurants. And even just two years ago, I was 
looking at restaurants and talking, almost leased a place and turned it into a restaurant and that sort of thing. But it wasn't the reality of the restaurant I wanted. It was the reality of, you know, doing what I'm passionate about, which is cooking mm-hmm. and trying to make that work. So I'm, I'm thinking way too far ahead on this idea. And looking back, I go, that would have been the worst thing I could ever have done. Mm-hmm. Just research what you're interested in and don't think too far. Don't project it into the future. Just enjoy it while you're doing that and then see where that takes you. And, it's, right. and let the process be slow. It doesn't have to be quick. Well, and I, I'm a great example of that because I have a degree in communication and a minor in marketing, but I'm an inventor of surgical devices for orthopedic mm-hmm. surgery that are sold throughout the world. And people look at me and they say, well, how did that happen? And I just said, you know, they say, are you an engineer? I said, no, but I can hire really good engineers. Right, I'm, the, right. I'm the idea girl. Somebody came to me multiple times. People, different people came to me and they said, this is such a pain when this happens. And my brain started going a bunch of different directions. And to your point, I would research it and then I'd go another thing. Well, I don't know how to do manufacturing. I didn't know that engineering stuff. I didn't know how to get products approved through the FDA. I didn't know how to set up a manufacturing plant and do all that jazz. But, you know, it all came by just, to your point, taking one step at a time. And then it was almost magical in all of my different industries. And I was, I've been in a lot of different industries with companies where the people I need to show up, show up when I need them. And it's happened so about. much yep. to me in my lifetime that I've just learned to trust it and I, ex- I just expect it. What, something happened a couple years ago. I was flying to L.A. to uh, uh, for a business trip and I was going to see my doctor out there and it was Mother's Day. And she was coming into the office on Sunday to see me. And I the plane was late and I had this appointment with her and I had to drive about an hour to get to her office. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not even going to have time to stop and get flowers. Well, I land in LAX. This woman comes up to me. She walks by me and she had this big bouquet of flowers. And I said, oh my gosh, your flowers are beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. Somebody that loves you gave those to you. And he said, she said, would you like them? And I said, I said, well, no, you have them. And she said, no, I'm flying to Manhattan. I don't want to mess with them on the plane. If you would like them, please take them. So I took them to my doctor. Now, Perfect. <laughs> that was just within a few minutes of my thought in the air, mind you, before mm-hmm. I land. And you know how busy LAX is. It's a madhouse in there. Yeah. And so I walked into my doctor's office and I gave her this gorgeous bouquet of flowers and she got all weepy. It was great. It was great. So I have learned, as I'm sure you have as well, the people we need to show up, show up when we need them and they're perfect. And there's no way we can dream this stuff up. You just brought up the most important aspect of all of this is that you don't create your own thoughts. You receive and send thoughts. Your, Your brain or your mind is like a receiver and transmitter at the same time. So when you think that you have to create all your own thoughts, you're going to think, well, how could I possibly create this idea? However, all thoughts that have ever been thought still exist, and all thoughts that will ever be thought, all ideas that will ever be thought exist in some form. All we have to do is reach vibrational alignment with that thought right. or allow the thought to come to us, and that's usually through desire. So you have the desire to get some flowers, the inspiration came to you to be aware 
of this woman who had flowers. The inspiration came to you to talk to her about the flowers, same as hers, which she was, she had this, this thought, I can't bring these on the plane, what I'm going to do with them, I don't want to throw them away, that sort of thing. So, so you two were beacons that met right in the middle there and had this manifestation event that created all this based on the fact that you were receptive to receiving the ideas. Right, right. That's just how it works. Yeah. Right. I agree. I always say my head is like a big satellite dish mm-hmm. <laughs> receiving information from Especially as, your head. Yeah. From from the spirits <laughs> and beyond. My yeah. son used to say that when he was really little and I still use that all the time. It cracks me up every time, but it's so perfect. He said, mm-hmm. Mommy, ask the spirits and beyond. So Gary, we're out of time, but we've just got a couple minutes left. Can you please share with everybody listening how they can learn more about you, where they can get your books, where they can listen to your podcast and and all of that. How can they find you? Okay, so you could go to Google and just and just type in Gary Temple Bodley, and you will or go to Amazon um, or whatever. You'll find all the podcasts, the websites, the books, the meditations, all that stuff. Um, our website is theteachingsofjoshua.com. We're in the middle of rehabbing that right now. Um, we have a newsletter just like you do. And that gives you a question of the week, just like you have it. It's a great way to keep connected. Um, but however you want to do it is fine. Either way, we are doing um, a wonderful land cruise. My wife doesn't like to go on boats, so we're doing a cruise at Club Med on land here in uh, Florida in September, which will be a great thing to come to. And Julie, we want you to come and be part of that with us. Oh, I'd love that. That would be fun. Really fun. Yes, and so that you can do your scams there to everyone and uh we'll we'll be on stage together and separately and do our own thing it'll be fun because as we talked before i think that you and i are going to do stuff together and this is a great place to start i agree that'd be a blast terrific okay guys everybody i'm telling you this is life-changing information that Gary's conveying through the spirit guides as i call them joshua so Listen to his podcast, get his books. They're, they're just, they can really be life-changing for you. So, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and join all of our listeners. What a, what a treat to have you on the show. And I, I have lots of other questions for you. So we're going to do a version two or a part two of this. And uh, everybody, please do me a favor. Go on iTunes. And if you like this show, give us a five-star rating because it helps other people find us. And uh, call in next week because I will be taking live callers and I'll, I'll be happy to answer your questions. And I hope you have a terrific week and a, and a wonderful first of next week. And please pray for my big brother, Jay. Appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com.
This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.